Sup, freaks. First rabbit hole recap of the year. Great tight rip. Where's the money, Barry? Where's the money? You guys should have hodled. Just hodled. Should have done it. It's in that 256x hash over the last two weeks. Whew. New year. Same old me. Same old Matt. We're going to be here. It's bear market. We're not leaving, freaks. We're not fucking leaving. We're not fucking leaving. I don't care how crazy it gets, how bad the carnage gets. How many times my father-in-law tells me I'm stupid for being in Bitcoin. I'm not leaving. Matt isn't either. Thank you, freaks, for showing up. Week in, week out. Thank you to those of you who contribute via Podcasting 2.0. Value for value model, streaming us sets, boosting us sets. We really appreciate you guys are sending value our way. We hope it means that you're getting value from us. <coughs> in, in our discussions. <coughs> Logan, stop it. <coughs> they take a sip of water. <coughs> Oh, Logan, not you too. Excuse me. We hope you're getting value out of this. So struggle through this. Love you, freaks. Start 2023 off with a bang. First one of the year. It's good to rip the Band-Aid off. A bit of a, a holiday break, two weeks. Of course, we did RHR. Back in the saddle, as you can see. Actually reading. Reading ads live instead of just cutting them from, from previous episodes. Right? That was at the beginning of every single one. It's the only one that had sort of the right... Logan, why don't you just hop on your mic and, and join us on the audio stream? The freaks can't hear you when you're talking to me like that. I think actually... Wait. You're on. Why isn't this muted? Should it be? Yeah, it's... Well... It's not a problem. Logan, why don't you introduce yourself? I don't think you've ever actually... I mean, you had a hey, voice. Hey, I'm Logan, and one time I asked how many Logans does it take to tell a joke? Apparently, way more than one, because this kid, he got none. I've been waiting for a fucking joke, Logan. Oh, you're still waiting? Yeah. Um, I've, I, I heard several good jokes recently, and I don't remember fucking yeah. any of them. I'll go call a couple more Logans, maybe... The three of you can put your heads together and figure one out. Just fucking Jesus Christ. Are you excited for 2023, Logan? I am. As am I. It's probably going to be... A... Who's sponsoring the show? <laughs> Are you trying to pro provide a segue for me, sir? Well, if you must know. The show is brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Right down the hall. You can hear some of them fucking talking in the comments. They're loud. It's Friday afternoon here. We recorded on Friday morning, then I had a rip with Dave Cotton. So I'm just now recording the ads here at 4.12 p.m. Central. But the Unchained team's here. They're working hard to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Uh, 2022, what was the lesson of the year? Not your keys, not your coins. Eliminate single points of failure. Don't trust trusted, quote-unquote trusted. They've proven to not be able to be trusted. Third parties. 
Take control of your keys. If you're not comfortable taking that responsibility on by yourself, Unchained is here with the collaborative custody product, their Bolt, which is a two or three multi-sig in which you hold two keys and Unchained holds one. Since you have those two keys and the backups, you have control of your Bitcoin at all time. If you want to move it, you just sign your two keys and broadcast a transaction. But if you're in a pinch, if you want Unchained's help, they have one of the three keys in the quorum and all you have to do is sign one. They'll sign the other, move the Bitcoin. It's a beautiful thing. They have a trading desk. It allows you to buy Bitcoin, send it straight to your vault. So you buy Bitcoin. You don't have the ability to hold it on the exchange. You don't have the ability to get Celsius. You don't have the ability to get FTX. You don't have the ability to get Genesis. You don't have the ability to get Gemini earned in the balls. It's impossible with Unchained. Let's go to Unchained.com. Slash concierge. Reach out to the concierge team. They'll get you set up. <clears throat> They'll get you hardware wallets. They'll get you comfortable. They'll wipe your ass. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Tell them that RHR sent you. Use the code RHR. When you sign up, you'll get $50 off the, the concierge service. This was also brought to you by good friends at IVPN. Do you guys like privacy? Do you like protecting your IP address from all the websites you go to? What are you here for? Just want to be an open book, open kimono? No, you don't want to do that when you're perusing the internet. IVPN is how you resist online surveillance. What you do online can be tracked by organizations you may not know or trust and become part of a permanent record. A VPN can't solve this on its own, but can prevent your ISP from being able to share or sell your data. This is what IVPN exists for. Their VPN service with no logs. They don't keep customer data. They create open source apps. Their website's open source. They don't use any cloud services or data storage. They own all the bare metal. They own the servers. They're not using AWS to spin up a VPN. All servers managing the IVPN service are self-hosted and operated by, by IVPN, including email and live chat. They have independent security audits annually. There's no fake reviews, no false promises or fluff. They're privacy advocates. They're Bitcoiners. Most importantly, they accept Bitcoin. If you want to pay for your VPN service in Bitcoin, IVPN accepts Bitcoin. They do it the right way. They use BTC Pay Server. They spun up their own BTC Pay Server again. They're extremely transparent, and all you you don't even need an email. I don't think you don't need an email. No email required. It's a beautiful thing. Go to IVPN.net. Check it out. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at CoinKite. Built this. Built the tap signer, have my wallet. They build the best Bitcoin hardware out there, particularly their hardware wallets. The cold cards, the MK4's out. Two secure elements, NFC enabled. Highly secure. Don't lose your Bitcoin. The cold card allows you to create your private keys offline and make it so your private keys never touch an online device. They're running the PSB t standard. You can create, construct, and sign a transaction offline on the cold card. <clears throat> and you transfer it to a device that can broadcast the transaction. Your private key never touches the internet. Some people are learning lessons about keeping your private keys on devices connected to the internet. Not always wise. Use a cold card. Make sure that your stack is cold offline. Protect that cold card. Protect the seed phrase. Protect the pass phrase. 
cold car makes it easy to add entropy to your private keys. So if you don't trust a device and you want to add randomness to the process of creating your private keys, you can easily roll dice more than a hundred times and you'll have good added entropy. It's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful thing. Top of the cold card, they have the SATS card. There's a bearer instrument. You can gift people Bitcoin. I've been gifting people Bitcoin with the SATS card for months now. It's a great conversation starter. It's cheap. It's fun. It's NFC enabled. You tap it on the back of your phone, you get a link. Produces a an address that you can send Bitcoin to, and then you can sweep the funds using the information on the back of the card. Just keep that secure as well. They have the tap signer I mentioned earlier, which is a, a private key uh, that looks like a credit card as well. I've been using that with Nunchuck uh, to create multi-sig quorums. You use a cold card MK4, use a tap signer, maybe uh, you use a wallet on Nunchuck. And uh, you probably use two MK4s and, and a tap signer. It's a beautiful thing. I got this block clock here. CoinKite, they build all this shit. It's really cool shit. Shit for Bitcoiners. Buy Bitcoiners. With security in mind. Most secure devices. The most secure devices on the market. Go to coinkite.com, coldcard.com, satscard.com. It's all there. It's all there. Tell them that RHR sent you. you. Usually have promo codes. Just type in RHR and we'll see if you get a discount. Enjoy the first rabbit hole recap of the year. And uh, Logan, maybe come with a joke next time. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's literally got nothing. The king. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Good morning, freaks. First rip of 2023. I'm energized right now. Finally back in Austin. Started the morning off right. Nice Friday morning walk around the river here in Austin with the family. Got the synapses firing in the brain. It's going to be a good year, Matt. Good morning, all. Happy New Year. It's been 51 days and Barry Silbert still owes Gemini users $900 million. Big topic of the week. It's funny how like, I don't know. I mean, it's been so obvious to us and all the freaks have obviously heard us like talk about it incessantly for, uh, I think I, I had a tweet like November 17th or whatever, like DCGs absolutely fucked. And <laughs> yes, the, the, nobody the market, wants to recognize it. Yeah, I was like, the market is still in denial. And so many people gave me shit over that tweet. I mean, Mike Alfred, like, fucking was just, he, he was defending DCG, saying there's no shot that DCG's in trouble. Called me like a child. He's going to delete his tweets and shit. And meanwhile, we're, you know, almost two months later, and people are still in denial. It, it takes so long. It's, it's, it's interesting how, how long all this stuff usually takes, right? Like uh, the SBF situation was so, so quick 
uh, for failure. He didn't like extend it and close withdrawals and extend it and make everything like Barry's going to make this drag out for so fucking long. Yeah. As long as possible. But it seems like, I mean, big topics of the week uh, pertain to DCG and their sub companies, Genesis (laughs) laying off 30% of their workforce and, working with Mullis, which is a, an investment bank or a private equity firm, one of the two, to figure out how to get out of this mess. And for Genesis particularly, Chapter 11 seems to be on the table, filing for bankruptcy. Uh, and then they shut down their wealth management. But did they even um, shut down the wealth management division or did they just lose everybody's money? Like, how, I don't like, know. Does, does, that get, does that count as shutting it down? I don't know. Did you read the whole information article? I, I didn't have access to it. No, it was it. paywalled. Yeah. 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 Um, so. I, I pr- Presumably, they lost a shit ton of money in the wealth management division. And then whatever money they had left, like imagine just keeping it with them while this shit's going down. Like that's ridiculous. There's no, they owe billions of dollars to people. Supposedly, the wealth management division was at three and a half billion dollars assets under management at the peak. Um, you know, people, we talk a lot about like crypto VCs, like DCG was one of the original crypto VCs. They were doing all this reckless shit with the GBTC trade, um, as well, which, you know, not only do they own a lot of GBTC, but their counterparties own a lot of GBTC and we're loaning against it with leverage. Um, so, I mean, can you imagine keeping, if there was any money left over in the wealth management division, like those people were just pulling it right away. So I, for them to, you know, like, Oh, we're closing it down. I mean, I don't think there was, they had already fucked it. It was all, it was all fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their wealth management division was called HQ digital. It flew under the radar for quite a bit, but yeah, we'll expand. Let's expand on this topic after Clark's dashboard. Because we can, I feel like this is going to take an hour. But the important thing is, good morning and happy New Year, freaks. Yes, happy and, New Year. Uh, twenty twenty three is gonna. We're gonna crush twenty twenty three together. It's gonna be uh, probably a long, drawn out bear market, but uh, us and all the ride or dies will 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 ride it out together. We'll be we're, not fun. Go- we're not going anywhere. My resolve has been hardened. We've been vindicated. We've been validated. Why wouldn't we double down? Even if it is a bear market. If we do go through an extended bear market in 2023, good. You get the stack sats cheaper. And everybody's afraid. Well, and a recession. And a recession, too. <laughs> the jobs report maybe, came maybe a depression. I was thinking, like, in like uh, in 30 years, I wonder if our kids are going to look back and they're going to be like, what was the Great Depression of? 20 you know 2022 like or 2023 like are we in 1929 are we i saw that tweet that you posted the dow jones performance uh, over just the curse the curse chart of 1929 <laughs> yeah. to like 1933 <laughs> yeah the uh fucking curse chart a lot of uh a lot of bull fake outs there on the way I, down. uh i mean as a bitcoiner the chart doesn't look that bad right we've seen worse <laughs> yes uh, but uh, for the average person, I mean, that chart is fucking cursed. Yeah, Logan, go on Matt's Twitter page and find that chart. If you uh, just do uh, from at Odell Brutal, because that was the that was the caption I used. Not that one. It's it's yeah, uh, not that one. 
down further. There it is. <laughs> For you freaks who are listening at home and don't have the video in front of you, we're looking at a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average between 1929 and 1934. Mandibles. It's pretty brutal. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 periods. Dead cat bounces. Of multi-month declines. Where they have, like, what is it? The first one is is like the worst fake out 70 days of down and then there was 154 days of up where everyone was like up oh, we made it out we're good <laughs> and there was three more years of down after that pump fake could be the market we're in right now jobs report came out yesterday i was just listening to no agenda on the way in they were talking about this but it's hilarious the uh jobs report was good there's more jobs that were um, filled in the U.S. economy, and all the the pundits were freaking out because it's not what the Fed wants. They want to see job destruction, demand destruction. You destroy demand by taking people's incomes away, so they can't pay for anything. Um, but they also brought up another good point, which is the way unemployment metrics are are measured doesn't take into effect the uh, participation rate that people that have decided to actually leave the job force and don't even get counted in the unemployment numbers. Yeah, it's just all bullshit narrative games. Yeah. Um, I um, We have a comment from a, a freak in the chat that hits near and dear to my heart. Uh, Jay Pleb saying the Dow is a useless chart because it only includes 30 companies. Um, I, I The reason it hits near and dear to my heart is because I couldn't agree with you more, particularly with today's market. And that's one of the reasons I like the S&P 500 for tracking, because it's 500 companies. Uh, That being said, uh, I think it's probably more relevant for the 1929 period. Uh, Not many of those companies survived, general, that existed back then. Um, Also, I didn't make the chart. I saw the chart. I was like, well, that's brutal. And I posted it. So... If someone wants to make one, did they have the S&P 500 back then? I don't know. If someone wants to make one with a greater swath of companies and put the nice little time scales on it, uh, I'll, I'll happily click retweet. Yeah, I don't know when the S&P started. Standard & Poor's, let's see. But it is ridiculous that people still use the Dow Jones when it's only 30 companies. It's, ridic- it's, it's, it's just such a microcosm of the market. It's not really... <laughs> Like my dad is obsessed with the Dow Jones as a as an indicator. Yeah, the S and P didn't come come to be until 1957. There so. you go. No one's getting a retweet because it didn't exist. <laughs> Maybe you can do a, a chart of the S and P through the 70s and 80s. My dad's been crushing it with Exxon. Big Exxon bull, Matt. Yeah, Matt is shilling. There's like the- there's like three freaks that just like every time Exxon has like. A good day. I just get tagged on Twitter. Like Matt's Matt's dad is happy today. <laughs> Speaking of good days, it's a good day. His blocks are being produced peer to peer. Censorship resistant transactions are being confirmed. Bitcoin is chugging along, and the price is currently six thousand eight hundred and six cuck bucks. One cuck bucks gonna get you five thousand nine hundred fifty sats. We are currently at block height. 770,668, we are officially 
me do this right. 7,109 blocks away from probably the most beautiful palindrome block we're going to get this year, which is 770,777. Um, so be aware. Are you a big palindrome guy on... Uh on your odometer on your car uh yes when i when i do pay attention to it i try to find one i found boobs my, on my car once and i took a picture of it my lady's like a massive palindrome odometer bull yeah we hit, a, we hit a couple on the drive back to nashville this week yeah i think yeah one of the proudest moments of my my life is when i got uh eighty thousand eighty five miles i got boobs <laughs> or eight thousand. Is it eighty thousand eighty five? Yeah, eighty thousand eighty five. Uh, yeah, the boobs we got. Yeah, eight. Yeah. Yeah, eight zero eight. zero eight five. Yeah, eighty thousand. Not a palindrome. No, but just funny. Boobs for the immature. Remember that? What was that calculator game you used to play? Like add this, add this, turn it upside down. Yeah, there was like a whole riddle, and then you got boobs. Yeah. No boobs on the Bitcoin blockchain, or it's quite a while ago. Uh, we are, we had a difficulty adjustment. The difficulty adjustment happened on Sunday uh, between two RHRs. That was a negative 3.6 adjustment. Uh, and this was interesting because if you freaks remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Arctic blast and the fact that hash rate was affected by that particularly by miners engaged in demand response programs here throughout the United States. As temperatures dropped, people weren't in their houses, turned on all their electricity, demand for electricity went up, Bitcoin miners turned off at the peak of the Arctic blast, estimated, the estimated difficulty adjustment was 11.6%, I believe. And so obviously the Arctic blast came and went, temperatures went back up, electricity demand went back down, miners plugged back in or turned their machines back on. And so that difficulty adjustment did not happen to be 11.6%. It came in at 3.6%, which is an incredible testament to the service that Bitcoin miners can provide grids uh, due to the fact that they are interruptible load. You can interrupt Bitcoin miners and not disrupt the Bitcoin network. It's a beautiful thing. We are currently 1,459 blocks away from the next adjustment. And this is looking like a big one as of right now, uh, about 600 blocks into this difficulty epoch. It's looking like as of right now, the next adjustment will be 11% upwards adjustment. Blocks been coming in at nine minutes and three seconds on average. Mempool, empty. A lot of hash out there. 693 transactions in Clark's mempool. Not an all-time high this week, but still relatively elevated Samurai's Whirlpool has 6,638 on the dot Bitcoin in unspent capacity as 111.6 million cup bucks in unspent value. So Bitcoin, Arctic Blast, chaos in the crypto industry, still having around $16,800 dollars. We've been uh, we've been ranging pretty tightly in this. Volatility is coming, Marty. My favorite prediction: which up way, or down, hard. Which way are we going? <laughs> I don't know. Probably down. Oh, fuck it. But volatility is coming. Yeah, I, I would guess down. Doesn't really change my strategy at all. But yeah, so let's jump into it. Let's go back to DCG. 
just stay humble and stack sides. But Genesis laid off. Bitcoin's been holding up pretty well. Very well. If you look at if you look at uh, relative returns across all markets, Bitcoin is leading markets over the last month and a half, I believe. I just think like the recession in general. Well, first of all, I don't think DCG is properly priced in, and like all their counterparties. I mean, they have a shit ton of counterparties, but also. I mean, I don't think the recession's priced in yet. I think people are, we're like slow rolling into this recession depression and like people are still in denial. Um, yeah. In general. Yeah. I saw an interesting um, webpage yesterday. There's a team of people who are documenting the layoffs in the tech sector, particularly, which drove a lot of the returns in the 2021 bull market. 2020 2021 bull market and tech layoffs are are beginning to accelerate yeah a lot of my friends like my peers from my college and high school and stuff still have their jobs so are you saying they're not going to have their jobs i mean i just feel like it'll be more common that people will be unemployed yeah it's what happens during recessions yeah like i even asked i was like asking during christmas because saw a lot of our friends and family and stuff. I was like, have you had, you know, major layoffs at, at your companies yet? They're like, no, 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 everything's great. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I thought I shared that tweet in our 1031 group, but it's not there. Did not share it. But yeah, that's an interesting page. Let me see if I can find it real quick. You you ramble here. Let's talk about DCG. Break it down for the freaks. Um, but I mean, before I talked about DCG, I got gas at under $3 a gallon, um, on the way back down to Nashville. And I just wanted to stack as much gasoline as possible, but there's no easy way to secure it. Uh, so instead I'm going to stack sats instead and use those sats to buy gas in the futures is my strategy. Yeah, it has um, been has been really good to be back in Texas and to see gas below $3. Like, I think gasoline is going to, like, that. that's going to go up significantly, right? Uh, I think mean, energy costs in general? Well, that's the interesting thing. Natural gas is back below $4 here in the States. I believe it hit a peak of, like, $10 last year. Um. So I think Griffin Haby actually had a good tweet about this yesterday um, and tied Bitcoin mining into it. But from what do oil and gas? I saw that tweet. That was interesting about the ONG industry finally coming into mining hard. It's like all this, the situation is like perfectly set up for it. Yeah. I'll share that tweet. Um, but that's different than gasoline in your car. Yes. So yeah. And when, like the you SPR, said it, like our strategic reserves are just fucking depleted. It looks like a shitcoin chart. Yeah. You just, I don't know if the freaks realize, because I mean, I didn't know this until this year when, uh, you know, our government started drawing on the reserves really hard. Those reserves are just like, we have like salt caverns just like filled with, with extra uh, petroleum in, yeah. in like, what, like Texas and Louisiana. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. That like we don't like put it like we we like actually like put it in caves. Yeah, you got to protect it. Strategic petroleum reserve has to be a reserve that that is protected. Yeah. And we should note that the SPR was created in the first place to provide an abundance or uh, 
uh, reserve supply of, of oil in war times, the fact that it has been depleted over the last two years is, I think, criminal and against the, <laughs> the intention of the SPR in the first place. But gotta gotta try to appease the voters during midterm election years and that's i think the move with the spr was purely political um had nothing to do with the mandate of of what the yeah, SPR get gas prices for. down before elections yeah exactly so we put up griffin's tweet here what is the perfect storm for oil and gas industry to start mining bitcoin low supply oil higher prices increased cash flow for the producers High supply gas, lower prices, decreased marketability, dirt cheap ASICs, frictions of former CapEx hurdle, fractions of former CapEx hurdle, excuse me, uh, is 2023 the year. I do believe if it is a good year to transition into Bitcoin mining, if you're an oil and gas producer. But the reason I brought this up because you said energy prices are going to go up. But yeah, I think um, there will be some disconnection in the particular energy sources that go up in price and um there's a lot of gas out there right now right so like not gas for homes you know that probably won't yeah too much yeah hopefully that stays low well i mean i'm also thinking like i still i still think there's going to be like massive or continue to be massive inflation yeah i think so we're pricing it in dollars like (laughs) sky's the limit well that's i mean that's the big debate going on in macro circles right now is has secular inflation arrived or is this a temporary is what we've seen over the last year has been a temporary rise fed policy driving interest rates up destroying demand is that going to quell inflation for a period of time before the fed is like all right we did our job we can reverse our policy and begin lowering rates again and printing money and then at that point does inflation rip um, so are, are, I saw, we, are we in this like lull period right now? I saw a lot of tweets this week that was like, damn, the Fed might actually pull off this soft landing with like lots and lots of engagement on it. So um, people actually believe people are actually, you know, smoking the hopium. We'll see. Yeah. A lot of hopium out there. That's the other thing, too, is. Like, is the government going to get tax grabby? Because yes, going into 2024, because... Always. Always ta- has been, Marty. Tax receipts are, are going to be significantly below where they were last year. Does the government react by, by raising taxes heading into 2024? Who knows? We have, this, we have this stalemate in, in the House of Representatives right now. You've been following that at all? Oh, I mean, I know that... They didn't pick a speaker of the house. Yeah, apparently they can't get anything done until they pick a speaker of the house. So hopefully this, this just keeps going on for as long as possible. <laughs> hopefully they just never pick a speaker. <laughs> it would be incredible. Pro stalemate. I am very pro stalemate. <laughs> <laughs> the government's so useless. It would just be better if they just did absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Shut Shut it down. Shut it down. I'm for I'm for the stalemate, pro stalemate. Um, I guess should we come back to DCG? Yeah, because there's there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, look, DCG. They Barry had every card. All the cards were stacked in his in his favor. He was 
the only Bitcoin conglomerate period, you know, like the only the, the, he was really the, the one of the first and largest players in the space period. He had GBTC, which just straight up mints money because uh, they have a two percent management fee, which is unheard of for these exchange traded products. He had all of his shitcoin trusts that also had two percent management fees. ETH, uh, ETH Classic. I don't know, like a lot of garbage ones, like just really, but they're all reminting 2% management fees. Um, literally, all he had to do was just sit on his hands and just ride it to the bank forever, right? And just mint money. Um, and they got super fucking greedy. They got used to, you know, I talked about this in 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 that piece I wrote back in November, Survival. Uh, they got used to cheap capital from external capital markets outside of Bitcoin. They could just lend money and, and raise money at will whenever bear markets happen, whenever they got caught up in shit. All of a sudden, the cheap money disappears. Uh, they were extremely reckless in this last cycle. Uh, Three Arrows Capital they were lending to blew up. FTX and Almeida were counterparties. They were neck deep in the Luna bullshit. Um and it was all Celsius? Just probably, uh, you know, like all these counterparties were all just intermixed with each other and they were just trying to drive up the assets under management of GBTC so that they can also get increased management fees on that. And it all caught up to them. Um, and we talk about how this is a, you know, a movement of personal responsibility. Um, two months ago, when all this started to become really apparent, there could have been some ways to to mitigate to to mitigate the damage to their customers, to their clients, to the space at large. You know, like he, Barry could have taken personal responsibility for his actions. He could have tried to do a Reg M redemption where people get Bitcoin back for their GBTC instead of selling it on market or selling Grayscale altogether. Um, and he decided to to not take personal responsibility. He decided to play fucking games stall for time, continue to try and raise money when no one in their right mind is going to give them money because that'd be fucking stupid, especially in this environment when you can just get 5% on fucking T-bills. And, uh, you know, now he has Cameron Winklevoss, who, by the way, just he his first <laughs> releases a public letter about how Barry is fucking Gemini and fucking their users. Uh, did you read the first line in the letter? It reads like one of my tweets. It has been 47 days. (laughs) (laughs) It has been 47 days since Genesis froze withdrawals. Um, I I don't think the Winklevoss are are exempt from criticism here. Ultimately, you know, they were supposed to be. Yeah, they took on all their. They took on a shit ton of counterparty risk with Genesis. Yeah, and all their terms of service technically probably protects them. Um, You know, some people are arguing this was a security. Um, Once again, I don't really think that you know anyone should be asking for securities uh regulation or whatnot like i think that's all just status bullshit but um their terms of service pretty much protects them it says like you have to do your own due diligence like it's with counterparties or whatever but at the same time like this was their main counterparty genesis and users did to a degree expect you know gemini to be doing some fraud and due diligence expectations and risk management with their counterparties you know gemini went out there and they were like crypto needs rules they put it on all the buses in new york uh they're fully bit license regulated they said they were the regulated crypto exchange they were the most trusted 
entity in 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 quote unquote crypto, um, and I, I think it's a it's a great fucking example of of how you know the issue here is just human greed in you know free free markets, free global markets. Like humans will always be greedy. The issue is not lack of regulation. Gemini is 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 one of the most regulated exchanges in the world. Um, they marketed to users as the most regulated exchange in the world. DCG is one of the most regulated Bitcoin companies in the world. They're neck deep with, you know, Larry Summers and like all of the big wig finance bullshit regulator turnstile people that are all like going between lobbying and regulating and all that shit fully regulated. Um, and meanwhile, they rugged everybody. If anything, regulators here also should have some of the blame because they almost put they, they, they essentially put an endorsement on, on Gemini. Right. People were looking at it. They're like, oh, Binance is unregulated, but uh, Gemini is fully regulated. It's the regulated crypto exchange. Like they have the bit license. They have all this oversight, blah, blah, blah. And people felt probably more comfortable. They shouldn't have, but people felt more comfortable going going to Gemini and then going to Genesis through Gemini Earn. Like it's the whole thing's fucked. Everyone is culpable. Uh, Barry is the most culpable and he should have known better. And uh, it's just a it's just a real shame. It's just a real shame seeing people lose money. I, I have a friend who was on Gemini, which, by the way, I told him at a wedding in September. I was like, get your fucking coin off of Gemini. I was like, I, I don't care what hardware. Buy this hardware wallet. Buy that. I'll set it up for you. Whatever. He never did it. Turns out he was on Gemini Earn. He got rugged. And I said to him, I was like, well, why did you do Gemini Earn? He's like, I got an email that said, you know, why just hold your Bitcoin in the regular wallet when you can get, you know, 5% by switching over to Gemini Earn? He was like, well, that seems obvious. Of course I'm going to fucking do that. So a lot of people responsible here, a lot of bullshit played. And, uh, you know, I really don't, people are asking me, are what's going to happen to Gemini users? My guess is if they get any money, it's going to be pennies on the dollar. Uh, if they, if they, you know, if they do get anything and it's going to take a long, long time, it's going to be a massive bankruptcy process. I, I think Barry's kind of hoping that there'll just be a bull candle and like the Bitcoin market will turn around and, and try and save them from this shit or the Fed will pivot and it'll get cheaper access to capital. Um, but Gemini users probably won't see much money, if anything at all. It's going to take a while. What's going to happen to GBTC users? GBTC holders, no one fucking knows. It, it, the question is, how does Barry decide that he wants to 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 try and salvage this situation or try and reduce impact on his own wallet? Um, and there's a couple different ways he can go with that. He can convert GBTC to par, where every the Bitcoin gets sold and then everyone gets dollars. Uh, that would have massive market impact because all that Bitcoin would get sold on the market. So you take a haircut there. He can sell Grayscale altogether to to someone who can actually manage it with, with responsible risk management. Um, that might be a better case for some GBTC holders, or he can do a Reg M redemption and apply for that and pay people out in Bitcoin. Um, you know, he also the TCG owns a shit ton of GBTC themselves. He can market dump his GBTC, which would just make the discount go down even further and hurt GBTC. So, um, yeah, Barry's if you own GBTC, Barry's got you by the balls and uh, no one really knows how that plays out. It depends on how he wants to play it. Yeah, it's a uh, the, uh, the newsletter I wrote 
last night was the carnage is not over yet. I mean, this DCG, Genesis, Gemini. We'll, we'll talk about Silverbank in a little bit, like this whole... Silvergate. Silvergate. Um, the bank Silvergate. It's all... It's all fucked. But for any of you who are new here, like what does Gemini earn? How does it have to do with Genesis? The mechanics of Gemini earn where they had a deal with Genesis. Genesis is a trading group that provides liquidity to people who are looking to get Bitcoin, typically to trade uh, on leverage. Um, And so they want to increase their liquidity pool. They partner with Gemini and say, hey, if you can convince your users to use this earn product, you give us the Bitcoin We'll lend it out at an interest rate, 8, 9, 10%, whatever. Uh, and then we'll get those interest payments back and we'll funnel that back to your users. And that's how they were And Gemini. And, and Gemini, Gemini gets a cut too. Yeah, and Gemini gets a cut in there. And so that's how the users were getting the quote unquote 5% in the earned product. And when you do that, uh, Gemini should have uh, done more due diligence on Genesis's uh, risk management processes and who they were lending money out to. Genesis took Gemini users Bitcoin and lent it out to these traders, Alameda, uh, people who were trading Lunaterra through Three Capital. Uh, they went and did all these leveraged trades and and wound up, those trades wound up going against them. And so the Bitcoin that they were trading with wound up going to the, the book that they were trading on and it's not theirs anymore. We. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, during the Three Arrows collapse because there's a lot of reminder. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to me as um, the the securities offerings that were done in 2008, where they like combined a bunch of bad loans and then they said, "Oh, this is AAA." Uh, because with Three Arrows, we saw the same thing. This idea that people said, "Oh, well, we wanted to get yield." "Quote unquote yield." We wanted to get interest returns, so we only we only wanted to use uh, responsible, respected counterparties. So then they would loan to Three Arrows Capital because oh, Three Arrows is like one of the most you know responsible entities in the space. That'll be fine. But then Three Arrows went, and then their counterparties were ridiculously uh, reckless or whatever. So like they kind of like laundered the counterparty risk, and that's that's what we see with Genesis as well, where Gemini goes. Oh, like we could get yield from all these different sources, but we don't want to do that. We're going to get you a, a little bit lower yield than our competitors, a lower interest rate than our competitors, but we're only going to lend your money to Genesis, the most regulated, responsible, you know, risk averse uh, entity in the space that's that's doing loans. And then Genesis goes and just goes straight degen on their side. <laughs> Right. So on their side, they're just getting fully mixed up in counterparty risk using, you know, lending money to all these DGEN traders. They're taking fucking Terra stable coins for their loans and shit. Just complete DGEN bullshit. And meanwhile, Gemini can wash their hands and be like, oh, no, we're only lending to Genesis. They're responsible. They're regulated. Everything's good. This is this is the safest place for you to uh, grow, grow your stack or however they're fucking narrative was over there on, on the messaging side yeah yeah and so coming back to the earn product and camera winkle losses letter i mean this is why i tweeted it out last night i tweeted like was was the yield worth it a non question mark because there was in the letter cameron so the, the numbers are there's three hundred forty thousand earn oh. users who don't have access to nine hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? So that's that's uh, I mean a th- more than a third of a million people 
Um, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And there was people also the 900 million, like, do, are they owed interest on the 900 million too? Cause it's been 60 days, 51 days. I think they'll take whatever they can get. Like you said, I, I mean, it, <laughs> the history of it's this. Almost, it should be like a billion dollars now if you include the interest. Yeah. If the interest, uh, or excuse me, if the history of this industry has taught us anything, it's that earn users, I'm sorry, but you're most likely not going to get your Bitcoin back. And like Matt said, if you do, you're going to get pennies on the dollar. You're not going to be made whole. By the way, like I keep, we, we keep talking about the Gemini users because I think it's just a really important case study because Gemini once again pretended that they were like this regulated safe place to go. Um, everyone knows who the Winklevoss are. You know, they've, they've been faces of Bitcoin for a long time. Um, and and there's 340,000 users that have, have been rugged by this. So it's, it's a very clear, obvious uh, pain point that we keep highlighting. But it's important to realize that DCG and Genesis owe over $2 billion to many, many counterparties. Um, there's other smaller exchanges that use Genesis. There's, it's just littered throughout the world. There's DCG counterparties uh, that they owe money to. That 900 million owed to Gemini users is one small subset that's less than half of the total money they owe. Yeah, that's why I, the carnage is not over. I mean, Gemini is probably the largest counterparty, but there are significantly more counterparties connected to Genesis particularly. I mean, like Matt said, they're held up and vaunted as this gold standard in the industry in terms of a trading desk and a lot of people didn't do proper due diligence on Genesis risk management systems and just trusted them with their, their Bitcoin. And yeah, I think, I mean, if you recall, I guess it was a month or two ago now, they tried to raise that billion dollar note in the span of like three days. I don't think they successfully raised that. Um, and yeah, so that was like early November. That was when I said they were completely fucked in the yeah. market. I just not aware. Yeah, their this, deck was like their deck was literally like if we fail. This was the hubris they had. This was the lack of humility. Their deck was essentially if we fail, we take you all down with us. Like who the fuck do they think they are? They think they <laughs> they do not take us all down with us. Maybe short term it hurts, you know, but let them fucking fail. Weed out the weed out the garbage, the rot. Get it out. Get it out. That's the thing. Like once this carnage is over, what's going to be left standing are. The companies, and obviously we're partial to Bitcoin-only companies who exhibited good risk management, focus, patience, and actually built products and tools that provide Bitcoiners utility and value at the end of the day. And once this whole shit storm's over, I think what we'll find is those companies that had that mindset and that strategy, that business strategy will prove to be the quote unquote blue chips of the industry that people come to trust. Um, but yeah, I mean, what we're experiencing now, like Matt, you, you mentioned the cognitive dissonance of people in the industry. It's like DCG is not going under, but it's, it's just that cognitive dissonance when you're dealing with the amount of money that DCG and Genesis is dealing with the people that are giving them the money are savvy, wealthy people who at, the first sight of fuckery are going to be pulling their funds. And like we mentioned that billion dollar note um, that they were trying to raise on that scammy marketing of pulling the whole market down uh, was not successful. And I, I find it hard to believe 
with 30% headcount cut yesterday, shuddering <laughs> that, uh, that wealth management division and then openly talking about chap- Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I don't think anybody's going to come bail out DCG anytime soon. So, Well, technically they're not open. It's inside sources, rumors, whatever, on the Chapter 11. Side. And it's on the table. Yeah. But I mean, like, anyone who's paying attention knows, of course it's on the fucking table because they're insolvent. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking insane. Like, someone texted me, they're like, look, look at this. You know, I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like, obviously, it's been obvious, <laughs> been obvious for months now. Um, of course, they're contemplating everything. <laughs> they're just trying to fucking save their fucking ass and they're in a massive fucking hole. Yeah, they're going to drag it out as long as possible. But, but I think the events of this week are probably alarm bells going off. Like, hey, this is the beginning of the end. We'll probably see an accelerated yeah. uh, cadence of, of moves that they make. I, uh, they're probably forced I mean, to do it. They probably have no revenue coming in. Outside. I mean, they still have the management fees from GBTC because that's also valued at NAV, not on the discount. So it's not like it goes down with the discount rate. And they have the management fees from all the shitcoin trusts as well. Yeah, but can um, they can they funnel those into Genesis? I mean, or is there a fiduciary is, responsibility to keep it siloed in grayscale because Genesis is obviously but, a failing business? But it's not fucking siloed. They already commingled everything. <laughs> uh, you know, one of I think DCG owes Genesis one point six billion dollars. The whole thing is fucking commingled already, um, which is why it's hard to really see how it'll play out because Barry's going to go for, you know, the most greedy, selfish stalling process he can pause like he's very savvy with this shit um you know and he's gonna he's gonna draw it out for as long as fucking possible just hoping that the fed pivots or bitcoin goes up or whatever saves him um so he will he will stall and make this make this go out for as long as possible i mean marty i think you said a really interesting point about bitcoin companies i mean essentially the companies that were humble uh, that were low time preference that we're thinking for the long term will benefit the most here. And I think it's a hundred percent the same thing with individuals, right? Um, we've seen a lot of paper Bitcoin out there. Uh, people thought they had Bitcoin. They didn't including 340,000 Gemini users. Um, a lot of paper Bitcoin out there. When this dust settles, the humble stackers, the people that are just, you know, stacking stats and constantly increasing their, their, their stack, uh, I mean, including us, that we practice what we preach. I, I think, I think, when the dust clears, we're holding our own keys. We're actually holding real Bitcoin, not paper Bitcoin. Um, that's not priced in yet either. Like people just do not realize how scarce actual Bitcoin is. Still to this day, we say it every fucking week for four and a half years. People still do not realize <laughs> how fucking scarce this shit is. So. Um, I, I think, you know, long term, this could be, you know, extremely bullish for Bitcoin that, that these that these entities that were reckless got actually wiped out during the cycle rather than it getting like papered over and then barely surviving. Um, and maybe some of that is thanks, you know, to our, to our boy, Jerome Powell. And if, you know, if that's the case, uh, thank you, Jerome. Let's go fast. For for absolutely destroying uh, the capital markets and making it so they couldn't paper over it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's uh, 
it feels good to know that you, I mean, for me personally, that I have my Bitcoin in cold storage, no paper Bitcoin, and this is all going on. And yeah, it sucks that the price is lower. You'd like it to be higher. There are better memes in the bull market when the price is ripping, but uh, the sense of security that I have right now with all this chaos, this carnage is, is a good thing to fall back on. And it does bring peace of mind at the very least. That reminds me, we don't have it on the list. Um, Bitcoin developer Luke Dasher uh, apparently got hacked um, this week uh, and a lot of uh, assholes, disingenuous people uh, decided to try and use it as a reason to scare people out of self-custody. Yes. Um, I want to be absolutely clear here. Whether first of all, there's no way to prove someone actually gets hacked when it comes to self custody, because uh, it can be a quote unquote boating accident. It could be bullshit, um, but there's there's it probably isn't bullshit the way he's been acting. Like it probably he probably did get hacked. Luke is a perfect example of, uh, you know, and I don't want to kick someone while they're down. It sucks that he lost his Bitcoin. Uh, it sucks when anyone loses their Bitcoin. And it's important to be humble to realize that any of us can be targets um, of overcomplicating his setup, right? He, his setup was extremely overcomplicated. Uh, most average people that simply have a cold card generate their keys offline with dice and put their seed in steel and keep it secure are in a more secure situation than Luke's setup was. Okay, because the number one rule, the number one rule with Bitcoin long term savings is cold storage. And when we say cold storage, what does that mean? Cold storage means that your private keys, your Bitcoin keys, the key that unlocks your Bitcoin and allows you to spend it, allows anyone has access to that, they can spend it, are generated offline and stay offline forever. They never on an Internet connected device. It seems his keys were on his server that was running Gentoo Linux. Uh, this is not really updated. There was, there was compromises in it. It was connected to the internet. These hardware wallets. Yes, you can do back in the day when I was doing cold storage and stuff, you'd run tails, you'd destroy the computer. You'd, you know, go through all these different complicated, the hardware wallets are designed to make that way more accessible for people. Yes, they take different trade-offs, but something like the cold card is literally designed to generate your keys offline and keep them offline. And when you use them to interact with your online machine, your computer running Sparrow or whatever coordinator software you want to use, the the cold card is designed, all of these hardware wallets are designed to keep the keys in the device that is offline. The keys are, are simply, in the device. Yes, it's like Zoolander. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the little handheld computer that we call hardware wallets. You when you when you're signing a transaction, essentially what's happening is your internet connected computer is constructing that transaction. Your hardware wallet is then simply signing it on its device and then sending the fully signed thing, fully signed PSBT, the fully signed transaction to your internet connected device to broadcast it. Your private keys are not leaving the device. That is the point of these hardware wallets. Now, some hardware wallets are better than others. They take different trade offs. There's nuances there. But in general, probably if you were using one of the shittiest hardware wallets on the market and you generated your keys offline and stored the seed on steel, you were in a more secure situation than Luke. So I don't want to hear this bullshit about if a core dev can't do it, then nobody can do it. Using cold storage, 
using self-custody is more easy and accessible than it's ever been before. And no one's immune from overcomplicating their setup, shooting themselves in the foot, like Luke appear, appears to have done. Yes. Yeah, he was using that Linux implementation, running it on a server connected to the internet. And then it seems like he encrypted either a wallet.dat file or a text file with his private key on it with his PGP key. And that was the tweet he sent out. My PGP key has been compromised. So it looks like a motivated attacker for to believe the story, which I tend to believe that this is what happened. Uh, realized that he was encrypting his, his private key with his PGP uh, key, then went to figure out how to attack his PGP key and get access to that to then unlock that file, get access to that private key and move that Bitcoin. Um, which is, yeah, not ideal. Keep the stuff offline. Cold storage. Generate your private keys offline using a hardware wallet. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And again, it, it's, it is simple, but it comes with extreme responsibility. Make sure you secure that hardware wallet. Make sure you secure the seed phrase that backs it up. Uh, if people get physical access to that, it's going to be much harder to hack a cold card compared to a Trezor. Um, but, I mean, if they have lasers, it's not impossible. So just secure everything, the device and the backups. Make sure nobody can ever get access to it. Yeah, think of think of the so if your device has a secure element like the cold card does, cold card has two secure elements. You can think of the hardware wallet as essentially a safe. Um, it's a safe protected by the pin. So if someone gets access to that hardware wallet, they need to compromise the hardware wallet in order to try and attempt to extract your seed. Um, and the secure element limits the amount of tries they can do uh, on the pin. So you want to have a secure pin on it. But of course, safes do get cracked sometimes, right? So it's nice to have a safe. Uh, but you also want to physically secure it. You don't want people to have access to it. Um, to a lot of freaks here, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of you set up your cold card um, with my original Wasabi guide uh, with Wasabi 1.0. Um, obviously, a lot has changed since that original guide went up. Uh, Wasabi 2.0 doesn't have like solid hardware wallet support at all. Um, so now my recommendation is Sparrow. Um, I did put up a fresh brand new guide with all this going on at, at we, we run btc.com. Um, and that goes through setting up your cold card, linking it to Sparrow, linking Sparrow to Bitcoin core. If you want to use it with your own node. Um, so just be aware that, uh, that new fresh guide is up there. And, uh, also cold card now has this new feature that they didn't have on that last, um, when I had that, that original video guide. Um, which is called Seed XOR. And I really like Seed XOR because Seed XOR is a very simple uh, implementation that essentially creates two seed words, two, two sets of seed phrases. So you have your seed phrase, your secret backup words you don't want anyone to get. With Seed XOR, you can create two of them. And essentially, to recover that Bitcoin, you need both. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, a, it's a very simple process that gives you a lot of the benefits that people see with multi-sig. So then you have essentially two sets of seed words. You keep them in separate places and then ideally on steel because waterproof and fireproof. And then if someone, if someone wants to compromise you, they need to get both sets. Um, they need to get both sets to compromise you, which is a really nice, easy one up, you know, improvement on just storing a regular plain seed phrase. Yes. The tools exist freaks. Use them. Yeah. It's a bummer feel bad for Luke. He's done a lot for Bitcoin. 
Uh, freaks, I see in the comments that uh, you guys are experienced chop with our broadcast, maybe audio dropout, stuff like that. I, I know between me and Marty, the sound quality is great. Um, so if it is frustrating for you, uh, that sucks for you to leave our live stream. But it's just a know that issue. The... Logan saying oh. it's a YouTube issue. Refresh YouTube. Susan. God is, God is speaking. Susan. Uh, we have our Twitter. <laughs> Susan. Our, our, our lady season twitch twitch.tv slash rabbit hole recap maybe check out the twitch stream maybe that'll be better but the podcast feed should be solid audio as well yes and apparently on twitter everything's everything's all fine and dandy so you want to go over at rabbit hole recap it'll be live streaming there matt and i retweeted as well if you just want to get to our profiles uh yeah a lot has happened this week first week of the year a lot going on do we have anything to wrap it up with DCG? I think, like we said, there's many counterparties, Gemini the biggest, but this could be like another cascading effect where there's probably some Genesis counterparties who are white-knuckling it right now are able to paper over what they have locked on Genesis for the time being, expecting or praying, praying more likely, that they'll, they'll get access to those funds and... Um, if it becomes apparent that they're not going to get access to those funds, we may see um, some ripple effect there of people. Yeah, of people having to be like, "All right, we we lost a lot of money." There's definitely a bunch of insolvent uh, entities that are just hiding under, you know, under all the noise right now that are going to start to get exposed. This, these things take a little bit of time. Um, I mean, we have on the list. Uh, Silvergate Bank, which is a major banking partner of a lot of Bitcoin exchanges and Bitcoin companies. Um, and uh, they came out today or yesterday they came out and they explained after the fact that in the follow up of FTX, they had an $8.1 billion bank run. So $8.1 billion was withdrawn. Uh, the percentage number of the amount of deposits that were drawn was crazy. What was it, like 80% or something like that? Something um, large, yeah. And they they were able to facilitate – they were actually running a relatively responsible operation there, and they were able to facilitate 80% or whatever of the, of the deposits getting withdrawn, which, by the way, 99% of banks in the world can't do that because they have no fucking reserves, period. Um, and they took a $700 million hit to do that because they had to sell uh, debt that they were holding, um, which wiped out way more than their profits since 2013 or whenever they started operating. So they wiped out all of their profits from the existence of the business, uh, but they were able to facilitate that. So props to them on being able to facilitate those withdrawals. Um, but there's got to be a lot of other players that are, we're not able to, right? And that we don't know about them yet. We didn't even... Like there was rumors about Silvergate. We've talked about it on the pod multiple times, um, but this was the first time they actually came out and, and actually said it um, to this degree. And, you know, I, um, we actually have Jason Brett uh, at the park. Um, uh, I love that dude. He's, I think he was like a former regulator, but he was showing me bank run videos from 2008. I was a little bit too young to remember uh, do you remember Indy Mac Bank, the bank run happening? No. So they have like videos of Indy Mac Bank, which was taken over by the FDIC and was owned by the federal government. And at that point, the FDIC insurance was only $100,000. They raised it to $250,000, the insured amount for each 
account at, at a U.S. FDIC bank that the government will essentially print money to cover all that up and pay back depositors. Um, FDIC took over IndyMac because they were failing. And there was this massive, massive bank run. Um, and I then a, I got a clip. Pull it up, Logan. Yeah, one second before you pull it up. And then following that, what FDIC did was because they realized that essentially when it comes out that a bank gets taken over by the U.S. government, like that almost guarantees a bank run. That's why <laughs> following that, what they did was they tried to set up situations where the smaller banks were getting bought by bigger banks, right? So like Wachovia, when Wachovia failed, it got taken over by Wells Fargo. And like the average person's like, oh, I, I trust Wells Fargo more than the U.S. government. Like my deposits are fine. I'm not going to withdraw. But the point is, is our, our banks, our banks have zero reserve requirements. They have no fucking money on deposit. If there is a fucking bank run in America during this recession, panic will ensue. There will be massive amounts of panic. And who's the only people that are actually holding their own money? Bitcoiners and gold bugs to a degree, right? And so all of a sudden you see that start to play out and it can happen very quickly. It'll happen very gradually then suddenly as our boy Parker likes to say, right? And that can get really messy really quick. Okay, roll the tape. This is crazy. Fear, anger, and high anxiety were the prevailing emotions outside branches of the failed IndyMac Bank out in California. Bill Whitaker is in Encino where it got ugly today. We've been here since 4.30 in the morning. Have you? Turn it down a little bit. There was a far different mood outside IndyMac today. Oh, Lord. Yesterday's calm was today's anger. Relax, you idiots. Let's not fight. Over there. Bank employees who tried to ease the tension. Because the money is safe in an FDIC-owned institution. Only inflamed it. Believe me, if it was safe, all the this money. people won't be here. That gentleman doesn't know what he's talking about because Armand Garden lost $31,000 when IndyMac stock tanked. He's not taking any chances with his deposits. I don't have any confidence in them. They're not they're not telling the people the truth. Lack of confidence, the constant refrain. Because I don't believe the bank. Like all customers with deposits above the federally insured limit, $100,000, small businessman Don Hinojosa's account was frozen. He was hot. I got mortgage payment due, car payments due. How am I going to make those payments? Lisa Hester Lerner got in line when she found everything above the insured limit had disappeared from her online account. I think it's mass hysteria. I, I think this is similar to what happened during the Great Depression and everybody wants their money and they want to touch it and hold it and see it. In the 11 business days before the FDIC takeover, frustrated depositors withdrew more than $1.3 billion from IndyMac. Another troubling sign? Tumbling stock prices at other major banks. After meeting with bankers, Hester Lerner found out her uninsured money was in the bank, but frozen. Her frustration level? One to 10, I'm at about an 11. Customer Joan Rubin said what almost everyone else was thinking. Well, we damn well do need to be here. This is our money. The federal government says most of the 275,000 depositors, 98% of them, can trust that their money is safe. It's just that people here don't seem to be in a trusting mood. Katie? Bill Whitaker. Bill, thanks very much. People forget so quickly. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And if it happens again, it's going to be... Because now we have, I mean, 2008, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter was even around, but they weren't 
the communication tools that they are today. Could you imagine how quickly panic would spread if the word was getting out via these avenues? Mandibles. It's Uh, going to, uh, yeah, I mean, I said this on Twitter. Look, Bitcoin tends to lead the macro environment. We've noticed this. We noticed this in 2020 um, when Bitcoin fell first hard, fast, uh, no circuit breakers. They couldn't turn off. They were turning off the stock market. They stopped trading, all this different stuff. And then Bitcoin recovered first um, before the stock market did. Uh, I think the bank runs we've seen in quote unquote crypto and Bitcoin, uh, they're a leading indicator. We see the bank runs here in our Wild West, you know, free market-esque situation, global financial market that is Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, the bank runs are going to be coming to the traditional banks. It will happen. There will be bail-ins. There will be, you know, angry depositors that can't can't get their money. And it's going to be very, it'll be very sad. It'll be very sad to watch it happen. Um, but like the crypto bank runs, like the Bitcoin bank runs we've seen, it will be the single biggest education experience on on the value prop of self-custody Bitcoin um, that we've seen to date. Yes. And like Matt said, I mean, the, the 0% reserve requirements were a product of the last uh, the last in 2020 when they when they printed a bunch of money they changed a bunch of the facilities and they also went to the banks said okay zero percent reserve requirement and it was already a paltry 10 percent before that so uh, you don't really have money in the bank the only money that you do have is cash in hand or a bitcoin utxo in a public address that you control with a private key that you control or if you hold a gold bar as well yeah i mean cash in hand doesn't even really because if, if when we hit the situation like how do you think the fdic is going to cover the 250k deposits like that they're going to print the fucking shit ton of money yeah so that um, cash in hand could be debased you could have an india situation where they just say hey these denominations are no longer are no longer useful throughout the economy they have many tricks up their sleeves um but going up back to silvergate just to tie this knot here like matt said they saw a bank run of $8.5 billion in deposits. They wrote, obviously, everybody saw, or if you saw the Silvergate headlines from yesterday, it was basically a PR report that was being being talked about by different media outlets. Uh, The... Uh, somebody from Silvergate, Ben Reynolds, president of Silvergate, wrote a letter on LinkedIn to add some color. And I think there's an interesting stat here. Even as deposits have declined to approximately $3.8 billion as of December 31st, 2022, we currently maintain cash balances in excess of digital asset related deposits. The commitment to maintaining a highly liquid balance sheet with minimal credit exposure and strong capital position will continue to ensure maximum flexibility for our customers. So they seem to have more assets and liabilities. Obviously, They've been getting attacked by short sellers like Mark Cajodes. Uh Kathy Wood dumped 400,000 shares of Silvergate yesterday, I believe, earlier this week. Their stock is down, uh, I think, another 10% today. I was watching CNBC this morning. Um, but who knows? Who knows what happens? Well, yeah, I mean, I have to say it's imp- impressive that they weathered so far, uh, given everything. Uh, we'll see what what happens. I mean, Silvergate's a major counterparty in the stablecoin game, um, as are the other banks, obviously that act in the space. Um, 
so I mean, we've talked about this on the show like many times. We have talked about it many times that stable coins are inherently, you know, not stable. First of all, they're pegged pegged to a completely centrally controlled currency, and that is the dollar. Uh, but second of all, they are centrally controlled themselves. So you have rug pull risk, um, you have fraud risk, you have censorship risk. Um, if we see during this cycle uh, another major stable, I like I don't count Terra as like a major stable coin, but if we see like a USDC go down, I mean Justin Tron's USDD is like, I don't know who the fuck would trust that. I don't trust any of the stable coins, but definitely not that. Um, but if we see like a USDC have issues, that could be a crazy situation. Um, that w- once again I think is bullish for self custody Bitcoin in the long term. Um, will be a great learning experience but yeah there's there's a lot of things that can go bad here uh, a lot of things being hidden under the surface uh and we we talked about self-custody gold by the way i just wanted to bring this up because so i was uh, at my parents house for christmas and uh my dad's not like a gold bug but like he has gold coins right he has you know a lot of people have have some gold coins we're like looking at the gold coins and he's like, you know, how much is this worth, right? And you have to like, it's so antiquated. You have to weigh to Bitcoin. It. <laughs> it's so antiquated. You like look up like, okay, like the Canadian mint put this out. Like this was the time. I guess like you could weigh it and then do like density measurements to see like how much actual gold is in it. Like if you want to verify yourself. But then you have to find someone who's willing to buy it. Um, and then what is the market price that they're going to pay for it? Uh, because, you know, is the, is the price paper paper gold is what's being traded on the things it's it's so antiquated compared to bitcoin and i think people don't realize they still don't realize how much of an improvement bitcoin is in terms of actually being used as as a real money um compared to gold and gold coins uh and and we're already seeing uh we're already seeing some gold coin fakes coming out of china um, you know, like a lot of counterfeits. So you actually do need to verify it now. It's not like you can just like go to the local farmer's market and start trading gold coins. Um, so I, I think there's a disconnect there as well. And if we start to see, if we start to see like a mandibles type, really like panicky environment where the dollar goes through massive inflation, loss of confidence. I think what happens after that is like people start to realize that gold is not very helpful in that situation either. Um, and, and maybe Bitcoin starts to shine more in that situation. I mean, I know personally, like I just, if there was an easy way to just dump those gold coins for sats and just hold them in cold storage, like that's preferred to me. But once again, it's not my gold, it's, it's his gold. You should, you should bully your dad into doing that. Mr. Odell, come on. But yeah, every property, Bitcoin is far superior, scarcer more divisible send it over the internet you can verify that it's actual bitcoin with way easier to verify you just literally just run a computer program yeah uh, it's far superior it's a far superior good um but tying it up the back only to... thing it doesn't have is like you can't make jewelry out of it right no. like my wedding band is 24 karat gold from na uh same. investment jewelry same quote unquote um that's like and then always like the gold bugs always say like, oh, well, like gold has real utility value or whatever. Like you can use it for electronics and all these different things. Like that is such a tiny negligible amount of the market price of gold that uh, I don't want to hear that bullshit. That's complete, that's no, complete when, bullshit. And if you're using that as a attack on 
on Bitcoin or why or you're trying to convince somebody why Bitcoin over gold, you agree and amplify. Yes, I agree that it can be used for that. Bitcoin is only yeah. used for money. And that's why it's far superior as money. <laughs> it doesn't have people competing for it for these other use cases like jewelry or, or electronics. Um, but to tie back to Silvergate, seems like, I mean, they're reporting that they have more assets and liabilities. I tend to believe them when they say that. It has been impressive that they've been able to weather the outflows that they they have had to, $8.5 It's not not pocket change. IndyMac um, was $1.3 billion in withdrawals that sent <laughs> yeah. them into a bank run. Yeah, for context. Uh, and that was in... Yeah, it was in 2008. So Right, so it's like, if you adjust for inflation, like four, it was like 2 billion, like three, 3 billion. Yeah, 3 <laughs> billion. But, um, I mean, Silvergate's pretty pretty integral to the space, particularly even, so that, I mean, maybe this is where Bitcoin-only companies could get affected. Silvergate is one of the very select few. There's less than a handful of banking institutions that will do business with prominent Bitcoin companies in the space Silvergate being the biggest of them. And so if yeah, the you have Silvergate, Prime Trust, Silicon Valley Bank, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, um, and then the other thing is uh, on the Genesis side. So Genesis had their loan side, but they also had a trading desk where it was just OTC trades. And a lot of Bitcoin only companies use them to source Bitcoin liquidity if you do buys or sells on um but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're exposed as a counterparty. They just have to find someone else to get the liquidity. Like you might open Cash App and there's no Bitcoin to buy. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good for price. Yeah. So if you are one of those companies looking for other OTC providers, I think Cumberland is probably the creme de la creme. They've been around for a while based out of Chicago, ItBit, which I think Paxos owns. Um, trying to think of others unchained but they source it from other otc desk i believe um so yeah be aware chaotic times carnage is not over i'm sure everybody enjoyed your holiday season time to rest and you know it was a chaotic year it's probably going to be just as if not more chaotic the uh the rot has not been completely blown out of the space yet and to be clear freaks i'm not uh you doomer no, I mean, I, I would love to be wrong. You know, hopefully this is one of the predictions that we're wrong on. Yes. I would I would like to be wrong on this one, but... And if, if we're wrong, like, that'd be great. <laughs> that would that'd be, be really fucking great. It would be, but all signs are pointing <laughs> to us. Having, having been around the block a few times. I've been around a few cycles. Uh but it is like too, like I don't want to say Barry deserves this, but you say like, yeah, he exhibited a lot of hubris, wasn't humble. And we should probably personal responsibility, man. We should probably note that I mean Barry did lead the New York agreement and tried to change Bitcoin at the protocol level by just arbitrarily raising the block size limit and and led a a months long campaign that led to the eventual fork war, and he has somewhat, which he lost. He he lost it, but he's also his reputation is somehow. I mean, in the eyes of Bitcoiners, no, but in the overarching space, uh, he has sort of gotten through that unscathed, relatively unscathed. Maybe this is a karmic retribution for trying to perturb 
the Bitcoin protocol. Look, I mean, this is the beauty of uh, Bitcoin becoming the standard, of fuck you money becoming the standard, uh, because we can call out Barry and have called out Barry many times um, on Twitter, even before Rabbit Hole Recap existed during uh, the Fork Wars, with, with while knowing that, you know, he can't fuck us. Uh, but most people in this space are not willing to call him out, are not willing to uh, be critical of him, even in this time of weakness, in this clear, obvious situation where he's insolvent, um, because he, you know, is, is, you know, one of the most, or, or at least was one of the most powerful people um, in the space in terms of actually, if you needed capital, right? And I, I think, I think, you know, I, 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 I love that freaks are critical about 1031 and us, you know, being partners at 1031. Uh, but one of the reasons why uh, when, when Grant and Jonathan approached us about building 1031 that I was willing and enthusiastic to do it is because, because so many of the people that were providing capital to the space, Barry included, SBF, Multicoin Capital, who the fuck knows, you know, what's going All these guys were at Forbes 30 under 30, except Barry, because he's too old. Um, you know, they were misallocating <laughs> capital. They were not getting it to Bitcoin companies. They were not getting to responsible projects. And they were holding it over everyone's heads so no one could call them out for it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fantastic to see that, that capital markets in Bitcoin have distributed to a degree. You know, not only do we have 1031... Uh, that we're building that is, is the you know the largest bitcoin only fund in the space but there's all these great smaller funds that have all popped up over the last few years um so now bitcoin only companies can get capital while still telling Barry Silver to go fuck himself while still telling multicoin capital to go fuck themselves right um and that's just beautiful it's beautiful to see yeah yeah shout out to stillmarks tvps hive minds lightning ventures folger ventures all those Bitcoiners who recognize the same problem that we did at 1031 and are, are trying to move the space forward responsibly and support people who aren't eating the marshmallow. That's what I, one of the lines I had in the newsletter yesterday was, the, I think the first 14 years of Bitcoin was a massive marshmallow test because of the proliferation of shit coins and the easy money that came with them. A lot of the people in that space ate the marshmallow too early. They wanted the the quick and fast and high returns that the shitcoin casinos provided. They took them. Some of them did. Some of them locked in the profits. Others weren't as lucky, but they may have gotten some profits in a quick and easy fashion, but they burnt their reputations in the process. And I think moving forward, the next decade and a half of Bitcoin, uh, I think a lot of the people who took that marshmallow and ate it in the first 14 years are, are not going to want to be worked with. People are going to look at them and be like, ah, I don't trust you. I'm going to go support these guys. And this is, I mean, you can pull up the tweet. I just put in the Slack now, but I mean, this is hearsay, I guess, is an anecdotal data point, but um, this individual, Lee Drogan, uh, is claiming to have had conversations with many prominent people in the crypto VC space. And um, apparently there's going to be a lot of trouble in the crypto VC space, it seems like the SEC and the DOJ are investigating a lot of these funds and a lot of the LPs in some of these crypto funds are beginning to sue um, the founders of these funds for 
I think he's talking about multi-coin. I would not be surprised. Did you see multi-coin? They sold a bunch of their investments like at the top in 2021, but so their LPs have realized tax gains, but then they just rolled it all into Solana. That's down like 95% or whatever it's down. Yes. So they completely destroyed their investors. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, I think the rumor is that the multi-coin founders sold their personal Solana stashes yep. at the top. While they well. were buying it with the, they were pumping it. That was my understanding. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's proven, but that they, that they were selling their personal Solana while buying Solana with the fund. Yeah. Which um, is an egregious affront to fiduciary responsibility. Yeah, well, you know, Kyle Samani has had me blocked for three and a half years. He hasn't had me blocked yet. Hopefully, hopefully he uh, he has an alt account where he can read my good morning stay humble stack sats. It's good for him. I mean, he's he's a perfect counter indicator. He was tweeting like Solana's going to triple digits. It's going to ten x from here at the at the pico top. I got to say, I, I love this situation where our back's up against the wall. Everyone thinks we're idiots and there's just straight carnage. It is yeah. exhilarating. It is. It is exhilarating. You're able to enjoy the carnage when you stay humble and stack sats. Exactly. Uh, Marty, I mean, I know you have a hard stop in like 20 minutes. So should we run through this list? Yeah. I mean, we're, we've gotten through a lot of it so far. Next thing we have up is Coinbase paying the New York government $50 million and implement stricter KYC. Yeah, so the New York uh, NYDFS and New York Department of Financial Services, their hallmark regulation was the bit license years ago. Uh, they go after all these companies, uh, even if they don't serve New York users, you know, they like to throw their dick around. Uh, went after Coinbase uh, for a KYC violation. Uh, I think particularly it was like there was some fraud that took place where Coinbase raised the limits and allowed someone to essentially funnel $150 million out of um, a corporate bank account and then buy uh, Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency and then withdraw it. Um, so there's a $100 million fine that they were originally going to levy against them. Coinbase settled and uh, is paying them $50 million and then taking the second $50 million and they're going to use it to uh, implement stronger surveillance on uh, their users. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very, I, mean, I get the $50 million fine, but how can you quantify like, oh, if we spend $50 million, it means we'll have good KYC now. Like that's just... Odd to me. Why does it cost $50 million to do that? I don't know. I mean, they have extremely strict KYC already. So did you see, have you seen the new Coinbase commercials? No. Uh, let me see if I can find it, but it's just like straight text. They were on during the Monday night game. Um, but it's like, it's similar to the Gemini. Like we're highly regulated. We reserve one-to-one like saying, come trust us. Let me see if I can find it. Um, while Marty's looking for that, uh, I'll go to software updates. We had Electrum V 4.3.3 released. Look at this. Um, Matt's reading the software updates. What a world. 
We had Zeus V0.7.1 released. Uh, before you update that, just keep in mind it will wipe, if you're on Android, it will wipe all of your node settings. Uh, so you'll have to reconfigure it with your node at home. Um, obviously, funds aren't at risk. Uh, they are on your Lightning node at home, but you're going to have to reconfigure it. So if you're out and about, uh, don't update. Uh, until you're able to easily connect it back to your node. Uh, that's because they've moved to a more secure storage uh, system for Android. Um, we have BDK v0.26.0. Big part of that release uh, was better Fulcrum integration, which is a highly performant and efficient Electrum server implementation. Really great to see. Um, and then uh, this... Uh, this group of devs, I think it's a group of devs, but I might be pulling a Marty when saying like, congratulations to the team at Sparrow, even though it's just Craig <laughs> Raw. Um, Straylight released a, a Whirlpool implementation that's fully tested, that works with, uh, that is fully written in Rust, which means Rust wallets, uh, any wallets that are built in Rust can easily integrate uh, the Whirlpool collaborative transaction implementation. Whirlpool coin joint implementation. Um, and that includes all BDK wallets. Bitcoin mm -hmm. Dev Kit is essentially a, a Rust library that allows people to easily uh, build Bitcoin wallets in Rust while the hard parts are already handled uh, by BDK. So we might see many more wallets uh, coming out that support Whirlpool, which would be fucking fantastic to see. And then last but not least, we have Nunchuck. Um, which recently open sourced uh, their stack, which was fantastic to see. They've added collaborative custody subscriptions uh, with a focus on inheritance planning. Um, they have two different subscriptions. You pay by the year. Um, and what's interesting here with their setup is essentially um, you have a dedicated inheritance key, which is held on a CoinKite tap signer, uh, which is essentially a, a hardware wallet that's built into just a, a single NFC card that you can tap on your phone. So essentially you give that inheritance key um, to your heirs um, and then they don't allow that inheritance key to actually sign transactions on their side, on Nunchuck's side, um, unless a certain amount of time has passed. Essentially you die and then time passes and then that key becomes active. Uh, really cool to see. Yeah, I've been using Nunchuck, Nunchuck a lot lately. Shout out to Hugo and team. I know it's a team of multiple people. They fucking ship, man. They're they just really constantly do. shipping. It's impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's been my favorite Bitcoin demo of the last few months is pulling out a tap signer and showing people like, hey, I have a, a, I have a single SIG wallet, but I can only move the Bitcoin if I, if I use my tap signer key. That's blown a few minds. And is Nunchuck's the only, is it the only wallet that's NFC compatible right now? Um, I know the Hexa team just released their Keeper wallet, which has NFC compatibility. Um, but yeah, I think Nunchuck is the first. Hopefully we see more and more added. I think Zeus has compatibility um, with NFC as well. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. The tap signer, the tap signer combo. See, the, the issue with tap signer, so trade-offs, right? Everything is trade-offs. The cool part about tap signer is it's an extremely cheap, hardware wallet that's in a card form factor uh, that you can easily just tap on your phone to sign. Uh, the main negative is it does not have a screen on it. So what um, 
we have told you many, many times is you should always verify receive addresses and change addresses on your actual device, on your cold storage device, on the cold card screen, right? You want to check that you want to check what is it's signing um, because your computer or your phone might be compromised. Now, so TapSigner, you can't do that, but because TapSigner is easily used in a multi-sig situation, you can verify it on other devices that are part of that multi-sig quorum. You can have different phones running different versions of Nunchuck that are able to you know, see the addresses on those different phones as well. Um, so you can verify multiple sources before you sign on multi-sig. So TapSigner is extremely useful in multi-sig environments. Um, where it's it's simply one key in a multi-sig threshold. You know, if it's a two of three and only one key is a tap signer, uh, you can verify in other devices without needing a screen on the actual tap signer itself. Yeah, I'm raw dogging it with the single sig. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a strong argument that obviously if you're single sig on your phone, uh, you know, the tap signer doesn't add it doesn't reduce doesn't reduce your security in that situation is it's strictly uh, a net benefit yeah no net benefit like yeah if you lose your yeah. phone in the cab because like if you're just using blue wallet right you're just using blue wallet as a hot wallet uh you don't have an external screen to verify that transaction anyway and once again by the way when we talk about all these theoretical attacks and stuff when you deposit into coinbase or gemini or gemini earn uh there's no way for you to verify that receive address either. It's just like a web screen <laughs> pops up and shows, do they say deposit into this address? There's a theoretical attack there where that address can be in a hacker's address and not the actual exchange deposit address. Um, or you go to our BTC pay server and you buy a, a shout out. Uh, you know, there's, there's no verification that's happening there that that's actually our address. And it's not like a hacker compromised our BTC pay server and is, is giving you fake addresses. So there's nuances to all these things. And, and when it comes to long-term cold storage and long-term savings, you want to be on the, on the, you know, a little bit more paranoid, a little bit more security side of the trade-off scale, because that's, that's savings that is, that is ideally going to your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. Um, so you want to take security very, very seriously. Yeah. So in the use case of like the tap signer, blue wallet, there's pocket change. And even with BTC pay server, if you're receiving like we are at TFTC, maybe we're comfortable doing that for $50 shout outs. But if we were going to invoice for a, an ad deal, a multi-month ad deal, you'd probably want to, to set an address from the hardware wallet and confirm using that and and even do out of band right like you send them you send it you send them the address on email and signal and it's like okay both sides need to be compromised yeah maybe Um, maybe do like a video call too like yeah this is the address right a video call is nice because then you know it's the person yeah Uh, beautiful things beautiful things speaking of shout outs and second week in a row no shout outs do you have the coin did you find the coinbase ad i did logan let's pull it up Put it on full screen. Uh, or just. For the last week, cryptocurrencies have been in a free fall, giving concern to investors in the world of crypto. Is crypto going to zero? Is the dream There's a lot of noise right now, a lot of talk. I'll read it for the people listening. But when it comes to crypto, it's not what you say, it's what you do. We built our company in the United States. We hold our customers' assets one-to-one. 
We never trade against our customers. False. And we're a public company. With regular audits. And transparent accounting. So we'll just do what we've always done. Ignore the noise and keep building. Coinbase. Wow, I mean, that ad's annoying. I mean, they had a, like an overt lie. I mean, they have been prosecuted for trading against their customers. <laughs> Is that a well, they had Is They that... had individual, there was like individual employees that got hit with that, right? Yeah, but I still want investigations to the Bcash launch. Oh, 100%. And also, like, they just constantly list things that A16Z invested in and all their investors invested in, all, all the retail, all those tokens they want to dump on retail, you know, a lot of Coinbase friends and family and Coinbase use, uh, employees own those tokens and founders. Um, I mean, Fred Ersham was one of the, you know, he was co-founder with Brian Armstrong. Uh, and then he he left Coinbase and then started Paradigm, which is one of the leading, you know, leading uh, one of the these massive crypto VC funds uh, that invested in all these different tokens that all got listed on Coinbase. Coincidentally, um, Charlie Lee joined Coinbase and then Litecoin got added. Well, what a coincidence, you know, so. Yeah. We built our company in the United States. Yeah, there, it's an appeal to authority, right? It's the same crypto needs rules where the regulated crypto exchange yeah, is fucked up. It is. And they lied. I mean, they've been, again, they've been prosecuted for trading against their clients. I wonder if that's a SEC offense there. Um, so we have no shout outs, but should we read Boostergrams? Yeah, let's read Boostergrams. Then we'll wrap up on Zoltan's latest piece. And while Marty's pulling it up, also Fediment announced a hackathon. Oh, yes. Uh, they're giving over two Bitcoin worth of prizes if you build uh, interesting projects on Fediment. So uh, 2.1 Bitcoin. That, no, no. 2.1 is the grand prize, but then there's mm. also smaller prizes. So yes. it's over. Um, I think what's the total? The total is like 2.4 Bitcoin. There's smaller prizes. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, 2.1 Bitcoin goes to the first place, then uh, second and third um, get 0.21 Bitcoin, 21 million sats. And then uh, the next three get uh, 2.1 million sats, so 0 0.021 uh, Bitcoin. And there's a link in the show notes to that. That's fetty.xyz slash fediment dash hackathon. Fractals of 21. Shout out to Fetty. Shout out to Fetty Mint. To be clear, this is... For Fediment, the open source uh, Chalmy and eCash protocol. Yeah, but Fetty, the company, is paying it out. Yes. All right. On to Boostergram, since we don't have shout outs. At Bond, 50,101 sats. Great end of the year rip, guys. I can't believe it's already been three years, over three years, that I've been listening to RHR and TFTC. Quality all the way through. I personally like when Marty Jones comes out and find it a positive. Matt for the great advice, always reminding us to stay humble and sack sats. Great advice. Thank you for continuing to do the show. I appreciate you both very, very much. Let's continue to grow value for value. And lastly, happy new year to you, your families, friends, and to all the freaks out there. Shout out to you, Bon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. Thanks, freak. Appreciate you. At Mav21, 50,000 sats, no message. Thank you, Mav21. Appreciate it. At Eric99, guess what this is? 
50,000 sats. Stay humble, stack sats. Great advice. Ride or die freak. Appreciate you, Eric. And then at Treebeard, 30,000 sats. He's quoting you, Odell, stay humble and don't lose the plot of humanity. <laughs> Long-term <laughs> stacking for the future. Bitcoin or slavery, uh, Spock piece, and then a shaka. Love it. Appreciate you, freak. Great advice. Remember when you were kids and you like tried to do the Spock piece? Yeah, I can't do that. You can? My la- my lady can. I couldn't do it for, for the longest time and then. You can't do the Spock thing yet? Try it. Try it on it. No, I can't do it. You can see my, my crooked pinky here. I broke my pinky punching the ground after throwing an interception in eighth grade. I could like, maybe if I tape them together. I mean, that would definitely work, but. Yeah. And then just like hold it like that for a while, you know? So like, yeah, I cannot do it. This, it's it's the ring finger it refuses to chill with my pinky. Interesting. Interesting. This has been a hell of a rip. I wish we could go for an hour longer. I'm sorry I had to cut it short. I like the tight rips. Um, Zoltan. So I put, yeah, so the Zoltan piece dropped, well, it dropped before last RHR, but I didn't notice it until after we got off of RHR. Um, uh, to the freaks that aren't aware, I mean, we've talked about Zoltan before. He's an analyst at Credit Suisse. Uh, obviously, Credit Suisse probably goes under this cycle. Um, but I think Zoltan is a, you know, uh, just a great mind in spite of the fact that he Credit Suisse pays him. Um, and uh, this is just straight out of Mandibles, what he wrote about in this one. Like, it's literally just, if you haven't read Mandibles yet, this is a spoiler. Um, but essentially he talks about this idea of, uh, in Mandibles, they called it a bank or, but this idea of a commodity based money, mm-hmm. um, as the dollar, as basically as global trade starts to move away from the dollar, what kind of money will people trust? Will, will these nation states and entities trust for global trade? Um, and a lot of people have speculated that it will be a commodity backed currency. Uh, he doesn't say Bitcoin. Um, but obviously if it's, you know, Bitcoin is innately tied to energy markets, uh, because you have to expend verifiable work, uh, in the form of energy consumption in order to mine Bitcoin and, and, and earn Bitcoin that way. Um, any other commodity based currency is going to have to rely on trust. And the real question to me is, um, in a post-truth world, in a post-trust world where trust is broken between institutions, entities, nation states, um, who the fuck is going to trust anybody to manage that commodity-backed currency? I think Bitcoin is far superior. I think people will try and make this commodity-backed currency a reality, particularly in China and Russia. Um, but I think ultimately, uh, particularly for large trades, like people are going to prefer using something that's trust minimized and not controlled by anyone like Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, like we discussed earlier, I mean, particularly with China, I mean, you mentioned it, there's a bunch of bunk gold coming out of China. And when you think about, I mean, there's so much complexity that comes into settling these trades in these commodities, particularly gold, um, oil may be one as well. I don't know if we talked about it, but right around the world cup, uh, President Xi went to uh, Rida. Is it Rida or Rida? Saudi to, Arabia capital. To, yeah, he went to Saudi Arabia and basically discussed with the Saudis, like, hey, let's start doing these trades in Yuan. 
Um, so those conversations we've been talking about the oil wars for some time now, Russia and China particularly have been posturing like they want to transition away from the petrodollar system and settling their oil trades with Saudi Arabia in U.S. dollars. That has heated up. Um, there's been more talk recently about the BRICS teaming up to do this commodity-backed currency. Obviously, Zoltan wrote his piece, but I think there was an official conversation between China and some of their counterparts about beginning to do yeah. yuan-settled yuan trades and commodity-backed trades. But yeah, at the end of the day, you have to fact like, how is this going to work? Or is gold going to be in a vault somewhere in a neutral place like Switzerland? And you do the trade and the person at the vault just adjust their ledger are they going to ask for physical delivery and if so and that comes with a bunch of cost it comes with a bunch of time remember when um, that russian plane just a bunch of gold fell out of it yeah or when like what was it the bank of england refused to venezuela's gold yeah refused to send venezuela their gold i mean that's why nixon ripped the u.s off the gold standard in 1970s because france and germany began calling their gold in mass and he had to rip the u.s dollar off the gold standard to Stop that. He's basically Barry Silbert. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin is this apolitical, trust minimized protocol for value transfer, final settlement that, that makes sense for these use cases. You don't have to trust anybody. You don't have to say the goal. You don't have to pay all the transfer cost. I mean, obviously, you have to pay transaction fees, but uh, negligible. To, yeah. You don't have to load up a plane, pay for all that fuel, pay for all the security. Verify blah, blah, the blah, gold. Blah, blah. Yeah. Verify the oil. Yeah. Bitcoin, secure it properly. Bitcoin just makes a ton more sense. And then even if you're not doing the physical transfer of the commodities, if it's gold, I mean, obviously, if you're doing oil, oil trades, you're going to want that physically delivered. But if you're in a situation where you're trusting a, a vault operator in Switzerland, you still have to trust that they're actually have the gold there, number one, and then are adjusting their, their ledger appropriately. So... It's just very complex. Yeah, Bitcoin was made for this. It's perfect for the situation. And people do not realize it yet, but they will. They mm -hmm. will. And uh, that's our advantage right now. While we're able to stack sats super cheap. Yeah. So here we are. First By the way, Zoltan is going to speak at Bitcoin 2023. Yes, he is. I'm excited about Do you have his email address? We should get him on the podcast. I would love to get him on the podcast. We should do it. We should do a tag team interview rip. Yeah. Okay, I'll set it up. Let's right. do it. Let's do it. Zoltan. I won't do this when we're, when we're interviewing him. I'm sure he gets that a lot. <laughs> For you freaks are unaware what this is, there was a character in... It wasn't even a character. He was just uh, like the god of this weird religion. Zoltan. Dude, where's my car? They don't make movies like that anymore. Well, Zoltan was like the... The, the cult leader. But I don't think he no, was but a, it was like it was like, but there's like a didn't they used to have like at festivals no, was, and stuff they would have like the Zoltan prediction vending machine thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It was in like Big when Tom yeah. Hanks asked. I think he, Big was the first DVD I ever owned. Really? Yeah, because we I watched it so many times as a kid because it was the only DVD I had. I had like one of those portable DVD players, and I just had Big. What was the first DVD I owned? Might have been like the Green Mile. <laughs> or... I think I have that DVD too. That's a great movie. That's a great movie. 
Was that a play on um, Of Mice and Men? I don't know. Not in my wheelhouse. I don't know either. I haven't seen it in so long. Whatever. This was a great rip. Starting the year off hot. It's going to be a good year, whether it's a bear market or not. We're going to be here week in and week out. Staying true to what we've been saying for the last four and a half years. Custody your own Bitcoin. Stay humble. Don't go out and margin trade your Bitcoin. Don't try and time the bottom. Don't try and predict where the price will go. Don't overextend yourself. Keep your fiat job. Uh, obviously, it's going to be hard for a lot of people if we head into a recession. Um, but if you do lose your job, develop skills, create multiple revenue streams, inoculate yourself, harden yourself, your family. We'll get through this. In, yeah. Increase cash flow as much as possible. Decrease expenses as much as possible. Do it ASAP. Um, yeah. Like Marty said, real skills. You know, I uh, I joined a gun club recently. Fantastic. Ooh. Ooh. I was there yesterday. Got a great crew on that front. Um, you know, learn real skills that can help you through. Start thinking through these scenarios. Make sure, you know, you can handle power outages, you know, Lack of clean water, very basic things that are easy to forget about. Um, Marty's coming to Nashville next week, uh, so we're going to have an uh, in-person party rip on Wednesday of next week at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central. Um, so definitely join us for that. That'll be fun. And then after that will be the meetup, the mining meetup. So if you are in the Nashville area and are like little five hour circumference and you want to jump in a car and join us for the mining meetup, uh, you can go to bitcoinpark.co to RSVP to that. Uh, We would love to have you. And uh, I love all you freaks. I think this year is going to be really big uh, for all of us. And we will be here week in, week out, ride or die with you. Um, So love you all. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks. See you in Nashville next week, sir.